yeah, we always get a big refund at the end of the year. And it's like, but no, you just gave a free loan to Uncle Sam. Why'd you do that? This is Unemployable, the podcast for independent workers, freelancers, Dow contributors, and other unemployed folks who want to own their employment and become self-sovereign. We may work alone, but we can be unemployable together. This episode of Unemployable is brought to you by Opolis, providing health insurance, benefits, and payroll for the self-employed. Join the community at opolis.co. Welcome to Unemployable. I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, and today we're covering everything you want to know about taxes for freelancers, practical tips for filing, strategies for saving you money, and advice for budgeting taxes in the new year. Most freelancers overpay on their taxes. According to data from the IRS, annually freelancers give an interest-free loan to Uncle Sam to the tune of $3,000 each. Without access to the right information, tools, and guidance, filing taxes as indie workers, freelancers, or gig workers can be overwhelming and challenging. Just in time for tax season, Unemployable is here to help. This episode is a deep dive into taxes for freelancers and indie workers, helping you own your work, finances, and freedom in this new economy. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Cameron Brown, a CPA at Darien Advisors, who spent the past six years working with gig workers, freelancers, creatives, and small business owners on lowering their tax liabilities. A specialist in taxes for freelancers, Cameron brings the perfect expertise to this episode. Over the course of this episode, we cover the taxes freelancers and indie workers are required to file, how freelancers can save the most money filing taxes, and the strategies for tax budgeting and planning. Cameron, welcome to Unemployable. As an unemployable yourself and someone who serves other unemployables, I know the community is going to get so much out of this conversation. Some of you may be familiar with Cameron from our Twitter conversations, but for the uninitiated, Cameron, tell us a little bit about how you came to be a CPA specializing in freelancers and gig workers. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so my history working with freelancers, small business owners, I started way back in 2017. I launched my first accountancy practice with my wife, B Corp, 1% for the Planet, Brown Tax and Advisory. And prior to that, I worked, spent some time in industry. I worked for KPMG, McGuadry, now RSM, and found that my accounting skills weren't being used for quote unquote good. Putting out financial statements, working for larger companies is all good and gravy, but I really wanted to get back to my roots, uh, to my first internship in college and work with individuals, small business owners, and actually make monumental change. So I decided to, to launch my first practice back in 2017. We jokingly said we were hippies doing accounting. So we were just working with a bunch of creatives, weirdos, values aligned brands, B Corps, some percent of the planet members. And through that relationship, I uh, met my now business partner, Faisal at, at Stewart. It was a fintech startup on sustainable ag. He was on the ops side, I was on the accountancy side, and we got stuck together during DeFi summer. And we're like, hey, there's something to this crypto thing. So we spun out yeah. the, uh, the sector of brown, brown tax advisory, and here we are today with Darian Advisors. So a little bit of a roundabout history, but I've been doing this for six, seven, eight years now. Absolutely love working with individuals. Adds a lot more color to the uh, debits and credits, so to speak. <laughs> so just like keeping it real simple, what is the main difference between being a W-2 employee and a freelancer who's receiving a 1099 as it pertains to taxes? The main difference is that in a W-2 relationship, everything's taken care of for you. You just gotta check in, check out work, all the payroll, the taxes, the withholding, the reporting, out of sight, out of mind. You can go home after your nine to five. In the case of freelancer world, you're responsible for estimated tax payments, you're responsible for your own record keeping, you're responsible for your own filings. 
So it's a little bit more burdensome to be a freelancer over a W2, significantly more burdensome just on the reporting and responsibility space. That does sound more burdensome. What taxes are freelancers and gig workers like required to file? Yeah, at the very minimum, uh, you're liable to file your 1040 with a Schedule C, which is sole proprietor, your profit and loss for your business, which if you're just doing a small Etsy gig work, Etsy work, Upwork, et cetera, gig working still needs to file a Schedule C. And then outside of that, there's quarterly estimated tax payments due on April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, January 15th which is not very logical, but do every somewhat quarter. And then yeah. on, the and on the statutory level, certain states may require you based upon thresholds or incomes to file with the Department of Revenue, get business licensures. You may have to file SUDA, so state unemployment tax for your freelance income. California has an option for freelancers. So apart from just at the very minimum, you got your Schedule C and then state, local, payroll, all that fun stuff wow. kind of gets from there. And is there a difference in the form, whether you're incorporated as just like you're doing a sole prop or a DBA versus having an LLC with the S-Corp? So LLC with an S-Corp, yes. But the difference between just a regular LLC or sole prop or sole trader, you're considered a disregarded entity from the IRS's purposes, which means there's no difference. So here I'm Cameron. I've got Cameron LLC. Yes, two distinct legal entities, but tax-wise, it's the same tax person. So you're treated the same. In the case of an LLC taxes and S corporation, you've got a distinct legal person that's also taxed as a separate tax person. So a little bit different nuance to that. Got it. Uh, okay. And you mentioned the quarterlies and you have the dates memorized, which is <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been able to do. What is the purpose of those? How do people keep track of what they're supposed to pay and when? Yeah, the idea behind it is you're supposed to contribute estimated taxes to your overall tax balance due by April 15th throughout the course of the year. So if you were a W-2 employee, that's taken care of. You have with taxes withheld, it gets remitted, and they're paid towards your overall tax obligation. But in the case of a freelancer, even small business owners, even S-Corp owners or partnerships, they're responsible for their estimated taxes. So periodically, each quarter, at the very minimum, they need to remit those taxes based upon what they're estimated taxes for the year. And if you don't do that, you owe the government interest? Essentially, yeah. The estimated tax penalty is about interest. So with right now, I think it's about six, seven percent last I checked. Wow. It's not like it's not like a hard flat penalty, like late filing or late taxes. So it's essentially financing with your department your state department of revenue or basically the treasury. But it is something that you if for good governance and good compliance, you want to be on the right side of those agencies. So it's good to get ahead of those rather than fall behind. Not a hard penalty, but a soft one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I know the answer to this question, but let's say you overpay in your taxes. Does the government pay you interest? Unfortunately, no. You just gave an interest-free oh, loan to the government. I know, right? It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair that it goes one way, but not the other. Yeah, and I chastise my parents with my dad. Historically, is like, yeah, we always get a big refund at the end of the year. And it's like, but no, you just gave a free loan to Uncle Sam. Why'd you do that? Like, <laughs> it's good about, like, you want to be plus or minus a couple hundred bucks. You did a great job. <laughs> Are there strategies like when you change your situation from being a W-2 to a 1099, obviously the first year it's going to be hard to estimate that perfectly, or maybe yeah. that's what firms like yours do to help people estimate that so that you're not too far one way or the other. Do you have, do you have strategies for that? Yeah, there's a, a lot of good tools out there. I use Smart Assets Tax Calculator personally. You can plug in your earnings, plug much from schedule self-employment and just proxy where you're going to land, especially during that transitionary year. The estimated tax penalty, so what's due by January 15th, 
basically you need to pay 100% of your prior income tax balance or 90% of your current year, whichever is the lesser. So that's kind of a good check. So if you remit enough, hopefully based on your last year's taxes, you made more money in last year, great. Just pay what you owed last year, no worries there. If you're still getting out as a gig worker freelancer, generally you're on the side of caution. Like you'll have some from your W-2 wages and then pay something towards what you've earned while you've been starting out. All right, so we are at the beginning of a new tax year. And for all the unemployables out there who did not use best practices last year, what's your advice for people like in January? Like this is what you should be doing now to make sure that 2023 isn't as bad as 2022 was. Yeah, some of the best things you can do is just bifurcation and good record keeping. As a CPA, I've come across so many proverbial digital box of receipts where here's all my bank transactions and this year I get compiled in the last minute before tax filing and it's an absolute mess. So just starting out with like either downloading stuff and categorizing Excel, great, fantastic. Using a software like QB, QuickBooks Self-Employed, Xero, Wave Apps, FreshBooks, Zoho, pick your poison as long as it gets done. That makes your CPA or even yourself happy. And some other best practices is just bifurcation of activities. A lot of times freelancers, when you're starting out, you know, I went out for coffee with a potential client, put on my credit card for personal. Okay while you're starting, but as your business has more legs to it and you have an EIN, an LLC, it's good to get a separate bank account for that business so you can run everything through there. So at the end of the year, you've got one source of activity. You're not compiling from this credit card, grabbing these receipts here to paint that picture. It makes that compilation of data a lot easier. Very cool. So a lot of the clients that, that you work with and that we work with at Opolis have crypto income. How do these businesses that maybe don't have business bank accounts avoid having to do this like reimbursement thing? Yeah, it's good if you are working in Web3, receiving payments in crypto. At the very least, set up a new wallet address to receive payments from clients, projects, et cetera. So we can say that everything that came into this Ethereum address, my MetaMask wallet, is all for my business or self-employment work. Sure. Even better is to create a new seed phrase and have it on a different browser and then have that be associated with it. That way you can establish like it's a separate wallet. It's not intermingled with your personal seed phrase. That's just a better and better best practice. And then yeah. one step after that is if you have an LLC, opening up an exchange or off-ramp where you can liquidate into something in the business name. So that way we can say, these payments from this wallet coming into the exchange account associated with the business is therefore that wallet is therefore the businesses. So it's easy to establish that paper trail and say that, that wallet's actually the businesses. That was a good note on separate seed phrases. I do that, yeah. but I, I accentuate it with the hardware. So I have my business grid plus lattice and my personal grid plus lattice. Yep. No, I mean, do as I say, not as I do. So like for Darian, I definitely use a different wallet address and same seed phrase as we're starting out. And then we're slowly moving over to a multi-sig and different hard wallets for that. But at the very yeah. least, create a new wallet address. <laughs> yeah, multi-sigs are probably better bet anyway. A little yeah. safer than just using a regular hot wallet. Yep. So I'd like to get your insights. You, we mentioned earlier that you helped to limit these tax liabilities. But before we get into that, can you explain the difference between what is a tax deduction and a tax credit? Okay. So a tax deduction is something that reduces your taxable income, which is basically the number that you calculate tax on. So if you have income of 10,000, you have a tax deduction of 5,000, your taxable income is then 5,000, and you calculate tax on that $5,000 number. In the case of a tax credit, a tax credit is a dollar for dollar reduction 
against your text. American Opportunity Credit, People Learning, Lifetime Learner, the Research and Development Credit, those are a dollar for dollar reduction of your tax. They don't reduce your tax base or the number that you calculate on. So tax credits are better uh, than deductions because they have a little bit higher value. They're all good to have at the end of the day though. Got it. And what are some of the deductions that freelancers and indie workers can yeah. save on their taxes? Some very common ones. So equipment, so buy a new computer, anything to home, run your home office, supplies, a lot of education, learning, development. So doing stuff on Udemy, current attend a seminar, travel, visiting client sites, entertainment costs for that. And then just like normal supplies to run. Travel to outside. Eat Denver. Exactly, travel <laughs> to eat Denver. I might be too busy to go, but yes, travel to eat Denver would be definitely tax deductible in the spirit of business, not just to go meet Metallic. Outside of that though, software expenses, your website, any subscriptions to get you rolling are very common. And then also a home office deduction. So you can take either a flat amount based on square footage or a pro rata deduction of your rent, utilities, internet, phone, et cetera, for your use. And then also auto deductions too for people that are actually traveling to client sites. So any mileage you drive to go visit, if you're working for a project or a contractor, I work with a lot of midwives, so like they're going to go visit patients or the people that are bound to have birth, those are fully deductible miles, so. Very cool. There's a lot on the table. And then like home internet and like cell phone, are those, do you also get a pro rata amount of that? Yeah, typically I would say for internet, as long as you're, it's more often than not used for business. So you're not sitting home Netflix streaming for 12 hours a day. Generally you have internet for the sole purpose of business as opposed to entertainment. So historically uh, I've taken a full deduction of that unless you know, you're doing partial work for your business. But if you're a full-time freelancer, totally deductible. Cell phone, again, one of those things where maybe 50%, 100% just depends upon your use. And then rent, electricity, heat, those are pro rata. Is this one of those things where like, all right, so I've got a home office. The unemployables are, are familiar with this home office. If I take the internet off, but my son watches Netflix in the other rooms, the IRS gonna like comb through my streaming data and be like, well, were you watching Netflix at work or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not. So the IRS is a threshold for like anything less than 75 bucks, you don't need a receipt for documentation. So it just comes to smaller amounts. Yeah. Yes. In the case of an IRS audit, that may come into question, but probably That's won't be fine. the hot topic of someone's audit because internet's a very common business deduction in today's world. Yeah. Other items are a little more gray. <laughs> yes. When they call me Capone, it'll be because of the $100 I wrote off for my home internet. Exactly. Um, all right. So shifting to tax credits, well, what are the tax credits available to freelancers? Yeah, there's not a whole lot that come to mind. I would say any sort of external learning, if it's at a higher learning edge credit institution would be available for like the lifetime learner credit. So going back for your MBA, additional studies. Ooh, what's that? What's a lifetime learner credit? Ooh, that enables you to get a thousand bucks per year or any sort of like higher ed learning after you've exhausted the American Opportunity Credit, which is for undergrad or the first four years of studies, which is a nice one mm -hmm. for like been any community college, four-year institution, grad school, et cetera. That's a nice one. And then outside of that, research and development, so the R&D credit, that's essentially as long as you're any sort of experimentation. The classic example is like Coke, and they want to do a new recipe, so vanilla Coke. Any time they spent developing that recipe, contractors, equipment, supplies, ah. those are eligible. In today's modern world, um, would be like, I've seen it be applied in professional services, developing a new product line, going out and buying access to Thomson Reuters or any sort of like actual research develop what you're doing, paying contractors for design or any sort of those work. It just has to be in the, the concept of experimentation or innovation so, and those be eligible expenses. So channeling what I've learned from Kathy, our marketing steward, 
Um, would A-B testing different marketing messages count as Ooh. experimentation? Could be, actually, yeah. If it's testing the product and delivery, if it's not just like general marketing, but something towards a new product line or communication or just like the idea of there's oh, not a, a proven result. Yeah, that one could be applied. That's actually a good concept. Neat. Yeah, we're breaking ground here on Unemployable <laughs> University. So if you had to suggest like the top two to three tools or software to best improve the lives of freelancers, what would be the top of your list? I would say number one, just use a darn accounting software. I personally love Zero. I've been using it for the past few years. But like I said, QuickBooks Self-Employed, Zero, Zoho, Wave, it all boils down to something that you can actually use. So if you can categorize and keep cool. up with it, amazing. Apart from that, if you're traveling, MyLIQ is pretty good. Receipt Bank is all right for keeping track of expenses. And then I would be remiss without mentioning Opolis as far as like managing any sort of payroll obligations, benefits, and just taking that out of sight, out of mind. Very cool. Good plug. Thank you. What are the biggest mistakes you see freelancers make when it comes to taxes? Yeah, I would say some of the biggest mistakes that, that freelancers make is falling behind estimated payments. That's a very, very common plight. And they're scrambling and they continually every single year in, year out falling behind late taxes, paying the prior year, they can never actually dig themselves out of the hole from the first and fourth place. So setting aside something for estimated bills and just like, hey, I made a hundred bucks, put $20 in a rainy day fund, you know, either mm. for savings, for taxes, and just set that aside and don't think about it. It's very easy to be in that kind of cash flow hustle where I've got it, I'm going to use it for something else, but just being a little more yeah. foresight can be very beneficial. Another one is just good record keeping. I can't tell you how many times I've come across bad Excel spreadsheets, cobbled together expenses, not very fluid conversations. And just having good data makes one filing that much easier or just liaising with a third party or heck, even trying to calculate your estimated tax bill that much easier so you don't fall behind those treatments. But those would be the biggest items, I would say. Got it. Well, so Opolis can't help you with that second one, but that first one, when you join and you run your income through us as payroll, we're taking the withholding out of each paycheck. And so you'll take that year and you'll be paid up and you'll be able to start getting ahead and getting back on yep. track. So For that's sure. nice. So no, I know, For Cameron, sure. you spent the last six years working with gig workers, freelancers, creatives, small business owners on their taxes. What's the top piece of tax advice for this group specifically? Maybe like your favorite hack or, mm -hmm. or like little known tax tip. Yeah, I would say the alpha leak, the alpha, the alpha. Um, don't forget self-employed retirement. I would say I befouled myself that early on and just not thinking myself as can contribute to retirement. When you're a W-2 employee, you have access to the 401k. Again, out of sight, out of mind, just like partner with Opolis for taxes or your withholdings. Those are things you have to think about. And retirement contributions. And retirement contributions, correct. It's a big one where a lot of people fall behind on it. And uh, then they're 10, 15 years into being a gig worker and they haven't contributed a dime pre-tax or even just tax deferred or tax-free when they take up on, then they can hurt themselves or later on in life. Another one is missing health insurance deductions. It's fully deductible. A lot of people forget about it. That's a common one. Uh, if you use, you know, a payroll provider, it comes through you like Opolis. So you can take advantage of that and it comes through pretty easily. And then outside of some other big ones, so it is just like keeping good data so you can calculate how much you owe, you're not overpaying, underpaying to avoid either having a large refund from the IRS or state agencies or owing a crap ton. So just keeping up on that, 
and maintaining compliance with your filings and payments really reduce a lot of stress of being self-employed. Cameron, thank you so much for joining me today on Unemployable. This has been a fantastic conversation, probably one of my favorites so far. We didn't get into availability of Darian. So if you want to just plug, these are the services and where people can find you. Yeah, you can check us out at darianadvisors.io. We're a full service practice. We also do partial service. So by full service, we amalgamate exchanges, wallets, chew through to generate cryptocurrency tax reports. It starts at 750, 10% off for any Fopolis members that mention the code on our landing page. Ooh, nice. And then most folks fall if they're doing DeFi multi-chain between 1250 to 1750. And then we've got our pro pack, which is like everything above and that. We can also do individual S-Corp small business tax prep for any Opolis members, similar to the referral. We have a flat 500 bucks for any single state or basically no state based on a Wyoming S-Corp filing. And then any sort of advisory, consultation, accountancy, the fun stuff besides tax, crypto tax reporting, tax filing. Um, we handle on a case-by-case basis, but fill out a form, book a call, reach out to us at hello at darinadvisors.io. We'd love to chat with you. And the reason why I'm in Web3 is it's a fantastic place. I've learned some of the best things from my clients. It's also cool to work with a lot of weirdos, artists, NFT, DGENs, people doing random bits of solidarity in Python code. I absolutely love what I do. So come my way. I just like to chat with you about anything else. Excellent. As always, to the Unemployable community, I'd love to hear your reactions and thoughts to the episode. You can tweet the show at Opolis, O-P-O-L-I-S, with the hashtag UnemployablePod. At Unemployable, I'll always be looking ahead to see what's on the horizon and bringing you top strategies for thriving in the new economy with freedom, flexibility, and peace of mind. I hope you got a lot out of this episode on taxes for freelancers. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your ratings and reviews help other unemployables find the show. Until next time, I'm your host, Joshua Lapidus, a founding steward of Opolis, co-founder of SporkDAO, advocate for paying your taxes, and a tenured professor here at Unemployable University. My name is Cameron Brown. I am unemployable. 